Thatcher recounted his pleasure in the look of a finished roof, where the reeds shine silver and grey and the deep eaves are cut razor sharp. At a time when farmers were becoming more like agricultural technicians, the farm workers in Aikenfield described their connection to the old clay of Suffolk soil, how they coaxed it, marked it, ploughed it, cursed it, and occasionally questioned its worth altogether and revealed stores of knowledge that technological progress was beginning to erase. Science is a footnote to what the countryman really believes, Blythe wrote, and what he knows is often incommunicable. But Aikenfield did not bow to sentimental ideas of the countryside as idyll. Blythe's villagers spoke too of the brutality of country life, and of hopes to escape the village. Their lives were a complex mix of wide-open spaces and limited opportunities. As Blythe later remarked, I think my view of human life is how brief and curious most people's lives are. Yet when you come to talk to them, you realise how strong they are and how unbelievably rich their lives are, also subtle and various. Western Canada, where I grew up, is thousands of miles from Suffolk. But like so many readers, I was taken by the vividness of Blythe's book and the way it prized open this far-off world, a place with its own songs, its own traditions of planting and harvest, and even its own breed of horse. In 2004, living in London and re-reading Aikenfield, I wondered what the lives of those who lived and worked in Aikenfield now were like, and how much had changed, or remained the same, in the generation since the book was published. So, around harvest time, I took two trains and a taxi to the two neighbouring Suffolk villages Blythe had renamed Aikenfield. I rented a room in Blythe's old house, which is now a bed and breakfast with a stack of board games in the sitting room and a sturdy three-speed bike in the shed. I cycled around, often turning off my headlight at night when the fields were bright with moonlight. Aikenfield now is in many ways still as Blythe described it. The village lies folded away in one of the shallow valleys which dip into the East Anglian coastal plain. It is not a particularly striking place, and says little at first meeting. It is approached by a spidery lane running off from the bit of strait, as they call it, meaning a handsome stretch of Roman road, apparently going nowhere. It is the kind of road which hurries one past a situation. Centuries of traffic must have passed within yards of Aikenfield without noticing it. That bit of strait is now a road where no pedestrians are welcome. The B1078 is never covered by a steady stream of traffic, but every few minutes a car roars past. There are rabbits, bulls, ferrets, all ground down to bumps on the road by those making their hastened journeys, no more noticeable than the rush of fields outside the car window. People used to miss Aikenfield because of disinterest. Now they miss it because of speed. There is still livestock in Aikenfield, but it only reveals itself when the wind changes course. Occasionally the smell of ducks comes in from the duck farm, as well as the sound of an odd frantic quack. When the wind turns at the other end of the village by the garage, it carries the smell from the pig farm and an occasional squeal. There's evidence of the few cows left in the puddles on the road heading to Dalingu. On most autumn days, the Suffolk wind blows in hard and does its work leaving the breeze to dislodge the rest of the leaves from the ash trees. 
Occasionally, off the B1078, the only sound is the light slap of falling leaves on the outside corner of the wheat field, where the turns of the drilling tractors have left the soil softly curved, as if shaped by a butter knife. The village lies in a valley, etched out, ancient and circular, surrounded by orchards and fields, and deep enough that for some reason no mobile phone company other than Vodafone seems to get decent reception at its centre. When it gets dark at night and the sodium lights of the school and the street lamps near the pub are obscured, the Norman steeple of the church stands against the dark sky just as it would have centuries ago. But some changes were obvious. There's been a noticeable increase in the population. According to Blythe's book, after a steady decline through the middle of the 20th century, there were 298 people living in Aikenfield in 1961.